Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to talk about all that we wonder, whisper, and wish we knew about our bodies, hormones, and life cycle changes. In this space, I offer vulnerability, wisdom, connection, and helpful transformation on mind-body-spirit tools. Please join me as I take the stigma out, stop the whisper, and speak out loud. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm going to be talking about a lot of big whispers. Uh, these are mostly whispers that I hear from moms almost every weekend when I teach one of my classes. Um, really, these whispers about, and I'm going to call this episode, talking about the big stuff, how to have big conversations. This is an area that most of us feel pretty uncomfortable with. Um, and so I'm asking us to get comfortably uncomfortable because I can tell you that if we don't have these conversations, our kids are going to learn somewhere, somehow, and that's probably not the place that we're going to want them to hear these conversations from. So in this episode, I'm really going to talk about kind of some of the things I hear from people, so kind of our resistance, and then of course, as always, I'm going to give you a few ideas on ways um, to talk about these things. As always, the ideas are researched, mostly researched, and some of them are just the way I do things in my house, and it seems to be working pretty well, so I offer that. Um, so a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about these big topics, right? Sex. How do you talk to your kids about sex? When do you talk to your kids about sex? What's age appropriate? Porn, pornography. The kids are exposed to stuff all, like I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with parents whose eight and nine year olds have been exposed to pornography and not even exposed to it. Some of them have been exposed to it and not told their parents and been so curious about it that they keep checking it out. Like not that this is a bad thing, but they're just, they're just so curious. Like there's just something that happens in their brain. And so they turn to it over. And I'm not, I'm not talking like one or two people have told me this. I'm talking many people have told me this conversation, not just boys, also girls. Body image, masturbation, social media, like there's a lot of things that are on our plates nowadays. I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, we had, you know, the sex conversation and that was maybe drugs a little bit. That conversation came about maybe a little too late. There's not a lot of things that were that were on the table. There is so much more on the table for us to talk about and it's kind of a little overwhelming. Um, one of the ways I feel less overwhelmed by these conversations is talking to other people. So I'm of the fortunate that I talk to at least 10 moms in the same kind of, um, you know, that puberty age, at least every week, if not more, right? And we're all having conversations about this, conversations about how people are doing it, how people are not doing it, how people didn't even know this was a thing to do. Um, because for most of us, we weren't, like no one talked to us about periods. No one talked to us about most things, right? We were not talked about something basic as integral as the menstrual cycle, but we also weren't given information on sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? 
If it was, it was often a sit-down formal lecture on all the things we should not do. There was no conversation. There was no information. There was just say no. And I think for a lot of people that didn't work and I don't think it's going to work now. Even for the most squeamish, squirrely, I don't talk, want to talk about this kid because really who does want to talk about these things? Not a whole lot of kids, not a whole lot of parents. Even for those, those kids that like want to run away from you, they still want the information. They really, really, really do. And so there's ways of having these conversations that will open things up and ways that will just slam the door in your face, right? So I'm going to talk about that today. I'm also going to talk about how you probably need to have these conversations before you are ready. Like there is no, although I'm going to give some guidance today, there's no perfect time to have these conversations other than having them. Right? You, the, the worst thing you could do is probably to not have the conversations. Yes, did we all survive not having these conversations? 100% for sure. We did. Um, at the end of the day, would, I, would my personal trajectory on like sexuality been a lot different if I would have had some conversations around what it actually meant? Not just on a physical way, but on an emotional and spiritual way? 100%. It would somebody would have given me something to do with all of the sexual feelings that I was feeling at a younger age and told me that there was that that was normal and that there was a way to connect with them that wasn't through another human because of the opening right that that provides not just physically but again emotionally 100% it would have been different like it, it, it's different when people talk about things when they have the conversations um, but here's the thing, more than likely, it's going to be really uncomfortable, right? Parenting in general, if you haven't gotten the memo, is pretty uncomfortable. I personally never got used to wiping snotty noses. I, everybody told me, like, when I was pregnant, oh, the snotty nose thing will go away when they're your own kids. That never really went away. <laughs> I still feel very uncomfortable wiping people. Right now, they're, mine are all old enough. They can wipe their own darn noses. But, or puke-filled beds or, you know, all the things. So now this uncomfortability of maybe that we felt as whatever those things were from when they were younger, now it's just more... It's around conversation and connection, right? And so you might not know all the answers. You might want to do a ton of research, which there is stuff out there if that's if that's the way you want to go. You're still going to stumble across words. You're probably still going to get emotional. And that's okay. There is no right way to have these conversations. And I, I really need people to hear that. There's no right way to have them. We all often have a lot of baggage around these things. And for me, I don't want to put my baggage on my kids. And so part of that conversation is me getting really clear on what I actually feel versus things that were kind of unconsciously put in my story back in that subconscious, right? That I don't want that subconscious programming from, from culture and from 
things I experience to then influence the conversation that I have with my kids. And if it's unconscious, it probably will. So part of that is bringing it to light. But if you work on that forever, you might not bring all this stuff in your unconscious around it too late. So you still, you just have to have those conversations and know that you're not going to do it right. You're probably not going to be perfect. Um, but if you're doing them, you're so far ahead than so many people. And you're not going to be torturing your kid having these conversations, right? They, they really, really do want to have these conversations especially the younger they are, honestly. As they get to that, for girls, it's more like 12, 13, 14, and then they open up again around 16. Again, this is just, you know, not everybody fits into this category, but in general, girls around 12, 13, 14 kind of shut down for a little while, and then they open back up. Boys, it's around 14, 15, 16 that they start to shut down and they stay shut down for a little more. So if you can get them earlier than these ages and talk to the about these conversations and very less is more, right? The very beginning when you're having, you know, for like sex conversations. Um, I think we've had the sex conversation with our kids starting at the age of six, meaning the penis goes in the vagina, there's a seed that plants in the egg and grows a baby. The end. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. Let's move on. Conversation continues at the age of around nine, which is when we naturally see it happening in our house. And if you do some research, my kids are falling around the same like curve that most kids would have. So the conversation around nine gets a little more like a reminder, a refresher, there's more noticing of boys and girls at this age. <coughs> Crushes can come in at this age. And so then the conversation is, hey, reminder, do you have any questions? And so questions might now spring out of this conversation. Then the conversation around the age of 11 then becomes, hey, there's this physical act. Along with that, there's an emotional side, right? There's pleasure it gets thrown into the conversation we don't just do this to have a baby there's also pleasure involved and all that that conversation can bring in my experience pleasure also came to talk around you know self-pleasure and also that the emotionality of it are you ready emotionally if you can't have the conversation with a partner you're not ready emotionally which is one of the things i often say to my kids if you can't say the words with someone you're going to share this act with because you're just feeling all these physical feelings and of course 11 year old hopefully an 11 year old is not going to be wanting to have sex but you, the conversation gets started then and it continues right so that we get really comfortable early on talking about these things with our kids now, if you're listening and your kid is past the age of 11, it doesn't matter. Like, you still need to have the conversations. It's not too late. It just maybe becomes a little harder. And you have to be a little more strategic. You have to make sure you're not sitting in a place looking at each other, right? There needs to be some movement in a car, taking a walk, that kind of things. You also might not know everything. Like, they might ask you questions and you're like, holy cow, I never thought about that. I don't know. And that's okay. It's okay to tell your children you don't know. Let's look into that together. Let's be curious about this. 
The more curious you can make the conversation, the more normal and natural you can make these conversations, even though you might feel kind of panicky or angsty inside yourself. Letting that live inside of you, but finding that like river of calm or peace that's in there and trying to tap into that um, and speaking from that, right? Also know that they're more than likely ready from the information well before you're ready to give it, right? So there was a conversation about pornography that happened in my house when one of my children was, um, he was 12 or 13. And I brought the conversation up and he, he, he was ready to have that conversation. It had been in his awareness and on his mind and not knowing how to deal with other people talking about it, right? And I was like, oh man, I missed the boat on that one, right? I didn't, I didn't realize that was a thing um, that early, right? And what I've come to know is that it's actually earlier than most of us think. And so how do you have a conversation with pornography with an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old? Oh, that's an uncomfortable one, isn't it? That's super uncomfortable. Um, in general, how those conversations, guidance around those conversations is, you don't name it as pornography unless they've already experienced it. What you name it as is there's images on the internet, have you ever come across them? In images of people's bodies, of people doing things with their bodies. You kind of go fishing, right? And you have this conversation fairly often um, so that they know that it's not, they're not bad for coming across these things, even on YouTube. There's weird stuff on YouTube. Um, that they're not bad people for coming across these things, that it's okay to be curious, and now we need to have a conversation. Once they see the things, then a different conversation happens. So there's no need to say, hey, there's this thing out there called pornography. Don't do it, right? That kind of fits into that, just say no. It's just like, there's this thing out here. It's not very good for your, for your body or your brain. Let me know if you come across it and then just kind of keep checking in with them, making sure that they're not. And when they do, then you have a bigger conversation, right? That That is my opinion and that is some people's researchers' opinion. At the age of 8 and 9, at the age of 13, you can definitely have a conversation around pornography. They have definitely heard that word, if not been exposed, and probably been exposed for a while. It's unfortunately the way it is. And if you don't think your kid is and you think... My kid goes to a school that doesn't have media or blah, blah, blah. Well, so did mine. <laughs> they're, still, they're still exposed to it, right? We didn't even have media in our house. My kids still don't have phones. Um, they do now have uh, laptops because school, now they're at a school that does have laptops, right? You hear what I'm saying? As much as you don't want to have these conversations, you have to have them. I'm grateful that I am in a partnership where my husband and I have very similar opinions on these conversations. So it's a very fluid, connected conversation. If you are in a relationship where maybe you are divorced or maybe you're just not on the same page, 
then that is a little bit harder of a conversation. Like if your husband is all for pornography and doesn't think that even a conversation needs to happen, that's just something that kids do around that age. I mean, maybe you're that person. I'm not here to judge you in any way. I'm just here to say, let's have a conversation. Um, and honestly, the research will show that the amount, you know, the difference between like the Playboy magazines of old and the internet of now is that it's very, very damaging for children's brains, like insanely damaging to their brains and their expectations around sexuality. I'm focusing on sex because that tends to be the conversation that comes up the most. However, this big conversation and some of the tools I'm going to give you, it totally applies for social media, right? Kid, girls in particular on social media got to have those conversations. It applies for media in general because there's this like the sexting thing and there's also just what media and how much media are they consuming it also applies to drugs like I just had a conversation with my high schooler about drugs and how him and his friend he literally feels like are the only people at school not engaging in that at the moment um and how it's so prevalently done in school and there was a conversation around why do you think that is and what do you think that their home life might be like? Why are kids asking for this? Like, why are kids wanting this? Um, there was just a lot of conversation. It was a really great conversation to have. We have been talking about drugs for a long time, though. The, the, it has been known that, they, that this is a thing and he's seen friends experiment with them. It's also never been just say no. That's how I was brought up. I went to dare camp when I was a kid and just say no. Um, I don't feel like that really got me a whole lot of anywhere because it never asked the question of, well, why are people? Why do people, why do teens in particular turn to that? And if you read a lot of developmental research, there is actually, it is part of the developmental process that they're seeking out some Thing of more meaning, right? And so drugs in some ways can provide a connection to, It's they're not just for fun. They can provide a connection to something bigger, at least at the beginning, and then they can become a way to numb, right? And so these are conversations that we have. They're conversations that I have with, with my friends that have kids this age, and they're just conversations I have. Again, there's, there's so much more. There's like, like I said, there's masturbation and all sorts of things that you need to be talking to kids about. So here's my advice. I'm hoping to keep this as a shorter podcast today because I really want you to sit with this um, and yeah, the, the, and to really figure out what this looks like for you, right? And reach out to me if you if you have questions or put stuff in the comments. I have to say that a lot of what I've learned is yes by looking at research and studies and also by talking to other people and by really focusing on what didn't go right and for me, right? And really getting clear on like my own my own opinions and feelings and how what I want to bring into the conversation like what is sex right is sex a physical act yes of course is there also emotions involved a hundred percent yes 
Is there often ramifications? 100% yes, especially at that age, right? Whether we realize it or not in the moment, there is. And so for me, that's where I land. So that's where my conversation comes out of. Do I want to shame my kids? Do I not want them to have sex? Do I not want them to have pleasure? Uh, No, that's not. But I want them to be in a space where they are engaging in these places that they come from. First of all, just being able to talk about it, like I said, like if they can't talk about it, then they shouldn't be doing it, right? If they don't have the language for it, then they shouldn't be engaging in the activity, right? Okay, so my advice, you got to start somewhere and then you got to keep going. Really simple advice, right? You got to open the dialogue on big conversations. It is the hardest part. There was a conversation recently that happened in my house that my husband led, and the hardest part was him starting the conversation. He felt very nervous around it. He didn't know what he was going to say. It felt very, like, big to him. Um, And again, we weren't given a whole lot from our own parents, right? So once you start the conversation, it gets easier to build upon the conversation. So keep that conversation very short and succinct. It's not a lecture. It is a conversation. Come to the conversation. Say your piece. Have some opening dialogue questions. They might not answer. My advice is give them five or ten minutes of silence and they will answer. They will step into that space when you give it to them. It isn't a once and out affair, but a continual check-in as they grow older and they have more questions and more real life experience. You're setting the foundation in those early years for them to then grow the conversation into. Right? Advice number two, none of that sit down, we need to talk nonsense. If I hear the words from my parents, sit down, we need to talk, my guard goes up. I don't want to talk anymore. It's like saying shut up and the first thing I want to do is not shut up, right? It's not a great way to start the dialogue or open the conversation around big topics. Sitting across from your tween or teen is not a good way to start the conversation. Instead, start the conversations on a walk. Go on a walk. This is what we use. Either on a walk around the block or a walk in nature. Right? I I often do a check-in around their birthdays. We go on a walk. There's some kind of deep conversation that I have planned, but there's a whole lot of silliness, playful conversation that also happens and it is intermixed. Start it on a walk. Start it as you're driving in the car. Maybe it starts to come up when you're playing like a board game or some other moment that has some flow and you're not staring at each other other and it will immensely take the pressure off the conversation and it's also going to make it so they don't run to their rooms and slam the door right it also sets the conversation up it sets up the listening as if this is a conversation that's normal and natural which it 100% is a normal and natural conversation we just feel uncomfortable about it and again a lot of that is unconscious programming so we don't have these conversations The next advice is to keep connected, right? 
as your kids get older and busier and life gets busier and you just feel like you can, you know, your life gets fuller. You get to, I've even experienced that a little bit myself this week. My four-year-old was gone for the week. So I just had the, like kind of my older kids and wow, I had a lot more space. There was a lot less need. The thing is though, they need us, especially when they say they don't. They really, really do. I've seen it time and time again. It's proven over and over again in my life. They say they don't want to connect. They say they don't want to connect. That generally, the further they push, at least in my house, means the more they actually want it. So establish early on some sort of weekly ritual to stay connected. We do a date. We do something as simple as a walk around our block for like every 15 minutes or a cup of tea, something that's planned. And in our house, we call it a non-negotiable. Occurs every week. They can count on it. <laughs> they can push against it. Some weeks, tons of weeks are filled with silly talk and playfulness. Um, and then sometimes, probably one of the four weeks, there's some sort of conversation that we bring up. Right? Next piece of advice is to keep it age appropriate. And if you don't know what that is, then check it out. Do some research on it. I think from, I, I'm looking at the word on my wall, simplicity. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. So an eight-year-old doesn't need the intricacies of sexuality unless they're asking for it. Some, some do, but most do not. Keep it simple and age-appropriate. Most eight-year-olds are not having sex. They don't need to know all of the parts of it. They just need to know that there's a thing that's really normal, that happens, and that made them, and that's it, the end. And then they can ask questions as they want. I personally don't feel like you need to tell them not to tell your friends because maybe your friends' parents haven't had that conversation. I feel like in some way that's keeping it secretive again. I think a lot of people might disagree with me on that. I just feel like it should be normal, and if you don't, if you're not going into tons of detail that... Kids are going to know, and maybe that starts the conversation for another kid. I don't know. Again, you might totally disagree with me on that. Um, I just don't want it to be the secretive thing, and it's really normal, right? Um, try to make it a conversation. Again, kids don't want to be le lectured at. They don't want you to tell them, don't do this. So saying things like, this has been on my mind, Saying things like, what do you already know about this? What questions do you have? Those are all really great starting points and it shows that you're honoring and respecting them and their experience. So we're not, if they are experiencing things, we're not digging into those things that they're experiencing. We're not judging them. We're just listening. And that is a lot of parenting of the older kids. It's just a lot of listening. Trying to start those conversations and then just listening, no matter all the judgments that you may or may not have, right? And then sometimes we have to keep them safe, right? Obviously, that's a thing. And keep them in boundaries. They also need boundaries still. But trying not to have the conversation around or judgment around them will lead them to continue to connect with you. So having those conversations by doing the walks and then making it an opening conversation and then giving lots of space for the an answering, right? 
sometimes my husband and I will take the walks with our kids and come home and just feel like crap. Really, we're like, oh, that didn't work. That went so bad. And then what I notice, especially because from my husband, when he has the conversations, I'll notice the kiddo that he's had the conversations with, the next few days, they seem lighter. They seem happier. They seem more connected. No matter how bad the conversation may or may not have gone on our head, their experience of how they're showing up is so much different. It's so, so much different. And these aren't even, recently there was some big conversations just around the world, around the environment, around politics, and all the things that one of my kids was holding. And man, that kid felt so much lighter afterwards. So, so much lighter after my husband thought it was a bad conversation. In the end, I was like, oh my God, the last few days, so much more happy, so much more joy. So much laying down. They want to have these conversations. Next advice is make it as short as you can. Don't go into the details. It probably won't be the last time you talk about the topic. It doesn't have to have every single thing you've ever thought about it or know about it. It's going to come in layers. And the shorter you can keep it, the more tolerable it's going to be for them. And the more likely they're going to want to have those conversations. If they are leading the conversation and have a ton more questions, then let it be longer, right? The last one I have for you is let them squirm, let them protest, let them be grumpy, let them not want to go on the walk, let them not want to talk about it, and do it anyways. At the very least, they're going to hear you, especially if you're speaking from your heart and not a lecture. I can promise you some of the hardest and angriest conversations that I thought my kids did not hear was echoed back at me in ways and showed me that they got it. Conversations that I thought just failed because they just weren't listening, they just weren't this, they just weren't that, they didn't want to be there. I see it. They get it. I see it in their actions. I see it in their conversations with their friends, right? Also, you should be the one driving your kids if you can. Just put the music on kind of low and listen to what the kids are saying in the back. That's a great way of checking in on what's actually going on. Right? So those are my big tips for you. I hope that you find them helpful. I hope that you have the conversation. Please reach out if you need. Please tell us your wins. Seriously, I love it when people are like, oh my God, I struggled. I thought it was horrible. And then this happened. Share that with people. It helps us see that like, oh, it's not just my kid that wants to slam the door and not talk about this. Or we can make it into something so big, right? And so share that with each other. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Let me know. And otherwise, I will see you next week. Bye.